Here's a place where all of us can be safe. Our stories of transformation can be safe, and all the things we want to research are safe here. This is Safe Space with Cheyenne. I'm really excited you're here, and I hope you stick around for a while, because I've got a lot to show you before I leave Earth. I love you guys. Hello, my safe friends. How are we all doing today? I have Becky Lee Blackburn, also known as Salt City Psychic, coming on to tell her origin story of coming out of the broom closet as a sensitive. Um, we're going to start the story around 2016, but we're also going to pipe back to all the um, experiences she had before then that, you know, the spiritual world was just tapping at her like, hey, there's more, there's more. So definitely welcome Becky to the show. Hi, Becky. Hi, Cheyenne. How are you doing today? I'm so good, and I'm so excited for all of your stories. Um, not that anybody can see this right now, but in front of me, when I first met you, you gave me a well wrote out, like itemized timeline of basically your spiritual awakening over the last seven years. And I love the documentation of it because I'm a documenter of my own experiences as well. Um, but you have so much on this list that I really can't wait to not only get into the beginning of it, but the thick of it of where you are now. So before we rewind back to 2014, 2016 area, um, what are you doing now and what services are you offering around the Salt City area? Well, uh, here in Hutchinson, Kansas, I, uh, I run a little, um, I have my own little business going. I, run, I do Reiki. Uh, holy Fire Reiki is actually what I specialize in. I'm a Holy Fire Reiki master now. I do Holy Fire Reiki. I do rune readings. And I also offer us um, mediumship services, intuitive services. I, I like to say that I, I like to empower people with my message and what I, what I give to them as, as give the clients like empowerment. People leave my business or leave, leave my, my, my shop feeling, you know, feeling better about themselves, feeling empowered. Oh, they they they've they have those aha moments, just that clarity. That's what I love about it. I just I feel like I'm following my path here and helping people empower themselves to begin their own spiritual journey, just as as I did. So that's kind of my goal with you know with the reading the runes and doing the reiki and doing the mediumship services. It's just to help empower people. So yeah. that's kind of what I do. No gatekeeping for sure. That's what I like the most. Um, a lot of the people that I talk to. Um, that like that is their main goal is to tap you back into yourself and trusting your own intuition and following like that guide and that higher self that's always been there for you but really acknowledging and accepting that it is a part of you and you are able to tap into it and there's so much more than the physical world out there that even it, though you know that we can touch this in front of us still like can you imagine Everyone yeah. that's already around us right now, just like tuning in, that doesn't have a physical body. I have no idea what's out here. I mean, I, you want to wake you. I want to help people awaken, you know, and feel that energy and feel that you know presence of their loved ones and spirit guides, their animal guides. I mean, I can tap into the animals, animal realm, and their spirit guides. Not only just their families and friends. So it's interesting when I get a client that has you know has, has some some old you know say say Aztec 
you know, spirits. I, I have a friend of mine, I call her the condor because of her spirit, her animal spirit is a condor. And she, I call her Lady Condors. That's how she, who she is. And she's got, you know, from the Peruvian, you know, background. I mean, she's from Peru. So it's very interesting. I, that's what I love about doing readings is I like to see what is your spirit animal? Who, who, what you're connected to? Who are your ancestors? You know, how, what messages do they have? So, so it's very, I, I, I love those unique individuals that come to me that have that, that old background that, you know, see them you see the images of, of their villages in their mind and i'm able to relay that information to them and they just have those aha moments and i must say my lady condor she, she when she first came to me for a reading she was having relationship problems and felt lost in her life and didn't you know wanted to have love again and you know she was divorced and felt like nobody loves me i can't find a man well about a month about six months ago she married a doctor okay all right she 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 i helped i feel like i helped her open up her mind and, and feel like I gave her help to help her with confidence that, Hey, you know, you are loved. You're a beautiful woman. You're a goddess, you know, you're going to find somebody and I'll be darned if she didn't, you know, and I'm so happy for her, but you know, that's just, just one person out of many that I've touched in the past, oh, you yeah. know, well, years. You learn that I, a lot from each person that you get to sit in front of too. Yeah. Yeah. What was that? Do you learn a lot from each person that you get to sit in front of too? Oh, I seem to, yes. I seem to pick up on them and, and go, okay, yeah, thank you, you know. You, you, especially like, especially animals, too. I think a lot of, to me, the main thing I focus on when I'm doing Reiki is their animal spirits. I kind of feel like I get around a certain area, like 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 their power center, and that's when their animal spirit will pop out. Mm -hmm. And then I, my shop that I will afterwards, we'll look it up, read what, what their animal spirit is, and then I tell them, hey, do your education on it. How does the owl live? What is the message from the owl? You know, but how, how does a tiger behave? You know, are you a tiger? You know, I really try to encourage people to do that when we connect with their animal spirits. I think that's probably one of the funnest things, I think, is is seeing the birds and the animals in their in their minds, that, you know, in my mind right. that, you know, they're it doesn't sound like me, you know, so, so it's just an education thing, too. It's like, you know, not everybody thinks about their animal spirit and their animal guides, you know, but we all have one. We have many, many that'll pop up. So, you know, when you see eagle spirit, that's usually meaning the source is speaking to you or connecting with you. And, you know, and I, I mean, I have wolves, I have bears, I have, I have lots of animals in my, you know, condors as well. That's why I connected so well with that friend of mine. I have a condor spirit as well that, that connects me with that death side, you know, my, my interest in, you know, the spirit world and having one foot in, in the death realm and one foot in the living realm. You know, I'm very balanced like that. As a Libra, I think that also draws me in is, is feeling that balance, you know, like, balance between the death and the living you know that's that's what i'm doing my whole life so so that's that's really kind of the main things i i just i try to empower people and bring up these things and say hey go home and do your homework and you'd be surprised how i i, I guess I'm, I'm so excited to see that you know i i, I fought with this so many times like oh I'm, i just want to go back in the shadows i just want to just stop doing this but every time i it help it someone enlighten help someone grow i'm like okay i get sucked back in like okay let's keep doing this you know mm -hmm. i i i i i feel happy that i'm helping people i'm i'm showing the way you know showing the way that hey you don't have to hide in the closet your whole life you need to come out because spirit's going to keep tapping on you until you do you know <laughs> so Absolutely. i did it for, that's for sure so before 2016 when you came out as a sensitive to um i prefer to call them clear senses just so people can go google that term and see like what identifies with them um but what what led you to making that decision and like what are all like the behind the scenes stories that kept happening to you throughout your lifetime where you're like that's not a coincidence okay 
do ghosts exist? Did I hear that? Like all the thumps in the night, you know, that you clearly disregard is just like pipes rattling behind a wall, so to speak. Well, for me, my my first experience with the spirit or with something was when I was probably about six or seven years old. My, my dad passed away when I was four and a half. And, you know, he, w- he was very spiritual. He was half Choctaw Indian, which I didn't find out about this till years ago. But anyway, my first experience, I remember laying in bed one night. I was like six or seven years old. My family, we lived in Strasburg, Colorado. And like I said, my mom was a single mom. She had me and my brother. My brother's about two and a half years younger than me. But anyway, I'm laying in bed one night, and I wake up, and I see these little, it looked like butterflies flying in my face, like butterflies. Well, I freaked out, got up out of bed, ran to my brother's room, climbed into his bed, and laid down, pulled the covers over my face, and, and, and I just, you know, laying there, you know, for protection with the brother, thinking, okay, maybe whatever it is will go away. Well, anyway, I went and kind of removed the covers and looked up above my face again, and they followed me, these little butterflies. Well, I found out years later that those were fairies, fairies that were attacking me. Okay, and they, I have never had that experience with, since with fairies because they scared me. You know, so I don't think they've ever wanted to come back in and be right in my face again like they were. So that, that is my first real memory of like a paranormal experience. But, but throughout my life, every house that I've lived in was a haunted house because, well, we had a house full of clairvoyant people, like very highly psychic people that they would see our light and they would just bo- bother us. I mean, I, I lived in a house in Nickerson that, that I, I believe a doctor had owned at one point in time. And I feel like, you know, because of the fact there was so much death and life in that house, it was kind of a portal of sorts. So well, I had a really hard time living there as well, you know, with things bugging me in the middle of the night, feeling presences, feeling, you know, or hearing the, st- you know, them moving up the steps and down the steps of the creaky you know, old house had a balcony that I would always, my brother and my sister and I would always feel like somebody was staring at us when we run up and down the stairs as fast as we could to evade it. My, my mother would be home alone and she'd hear footsteps in this house and doors opening and closing on their own. And, you know, a lot, I still have nightmares about that house. I still have a connection to that house there in Nickerson, but, but, you know, throughout my life, I've had those experiences. I, so I have never doubted the existence of things. What's crazy though, is the house in Nickerson, after we all moved out, we never talked about our experiences, about how scared we were. And we finally started talking about it. And that's how they started spurring things with me, like, hey, you know, I'm not just crazy. I'm not just seeing things or imagining things. But but one of my my one of my favorite experiences that I ever had that they told me that I can connect with with dead people or people who have passed was my uh, my husband's grandfather passed away and uh a couple years after he'd passed, I started having problems with a sister-in-law. She was kind of seeing, causing trouble in, in my life. And anyway, Clell, I'm going to call him, his name's Clell. Anyway, one night I felt like somebody was lifting the covers off of my feet. And something clicked in my mind that I think that's him. I think that's Clell because he would come to me in my dreams. He would, you know, leave, you know, just hug me and messages and whatnot. But, but what he would do while I was having this problems with his sister-in-law was that he would set off the alarm on my microwave. It would beep real funny, like like random beeps, and the, the display would would have like words on it. I mean, just just like real weird. And then my my oven started doing the same thing. It would beep, you know, it beep at me just at random. And and but I made that connection for so, somehow that that was Clell. And once I would say, okay, Clell, then he would stop beeping the microwave or stop beeping the the alarm on the on the oven. And he finally, uh, after things got settled down with with the in laws, he finally uh, one night he came to me in a dream, and he he was surrounded by a bunch of old ladies who were quilting. 
and he came up to me and hugged me. And I'll tell you what, you know, in his, you just have those certain dreams that just feel so real. Like you could smell them, I could feel them, I could touch them. He goes and tells me, hey, Becky, I'm going to be traveling the universe, so you may not see me for a while. And I can't say I have seen the man since. And I wish he would come back because he was a, he was a one heck of a guy living, okay, let alone, you know, to be able to contact me. But, but you know, I, I feel like, you know, being, being a sensitive person, you see people that, that have, have a shine, too. You know, you may not physically see it with your mind, but you may feel it energetically. And I must say, me and him had that connection. He believed in, in a, you know, he was in his 80s, but he did believe in a connection with the, with the other side. You know, he, he told me about a, a girlfriend that he had had that had, had passed, and he, he went to her funeral, and he asked for a sign. Hey, honey, are you around? And he saw a butterfly fly right in front of him. So he knew that that was her. So I think that was a lot of, you know, he really helped me out. Thank you, Cloud. He really helped me out with going, hey, I'm not just crazy. I, I have that connection. But that happened. But in 2014, I had something really terrible happen in my life. And I feel like this is something that happens a lot with people who are sensitive. You know, we have to have something traumatic happen in our life to, to kind of light a fire under us to get us going. It's like we feel like that phoenix. I mean, it's like that cliche phoenix thing. 2014, my husband had cheated on me. I mean, I, I know and it was bad. I died that day. I died that morning. I know I did. It took me a year to recover from that. But after that year of recovery happened, and I have forgiven him. I'm still with him, okay? Guys, it is possible to forgive someone, okay? He made a mistake, and I wasn't a perfect, perfect person either, okay, before that happened, okay? I could see why things happened, okay? I mean, you know, anyway, I don't play the victim anymore. Maybe I did back then, but I don't anymore because I understand that what he did helped propel me on my journey. Like, I needed to have that death in order to help me rise like that phoenix and grow and learn and but you know but that that first year like i said i did my year of recovery my year of finding myself the second year i had you know such a such a pull to do something i wanted to become a, you know i wanted to go back to school so i was thinking about majoring in anthropology i mean of all you know i mean like really what am i going to do with that but you know i had such a pull i wanted to go back to school and do something kind of fun you know i, I was a pharmacy or i am still a pharmacy tech but you know i wanted to do something different with my life so I felt that need. I needed to learn something. So in 2016, um, the year I turned 40, I, January of 2016, I, I had a falling out, falling out with my mother-in-law, okay? My, my mother-in-law is very narcissistic, and she had a lot of control over me for 20 years, and I finally stood up to her, okay? I mean, like I said, I, you know, I had that death, and I was growing. Like, okay, you know, it's time for me to change my life here. But anyway, in 2016, after I kind of had that following out with her, I decided, you know what? I'm not going to live the second half of my life the way I lived the first 40 years or the first half of my life. I'm going to follow what I need to do. So in 2016 in May, me and some friends went down to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we went on like a little ghost hunt tour thing throughout Tulsa, Oklahoma. We didn't get to get, get out of the bus and visit the sites that we were talking about that were haunted. But, you know, but it kind of spurred me, like, maybe I should find a ghost hunt to go on. Maybe something like that might be what I'd like to do. You know, I'm not going to wait on somebody else to join me. I'm just going to go do it. So in August of 2016, I went on a ghost hunt at Stratica, which is the underground salt museum here in Hutchinson. And I went by myself. You know, I didn't care. I didn't want you know, it wasn't even that I didn't even want anybody else to go with me. I just knew that, you know, hey, I'm independent. I'm an independent woman now. I don't need anybody else, you know. 
I'm going to go and I'm going to go have a good experience and have a good evening. So that night we went and, and I'm going to say the salt mine is very haunted. I mean, I really wish they would do more public ghost hunts. In fact, I'm hoping that maybe my, me and my group might be able I, I, I'm with a group called Kansas Ghost Hunters. And I'm hoping that me and my group will be able to go down there and maybe do a public ghost hunt. But, you know, I digress. Side, side note there. But anyway, went down there and. I was by myself, and, and, and the Wichita Paranormal Society is the one who put on the ghost hunt. And, of course, when you're down there and you begin the tour, you know, they give you the hard hats and, you know, and flashlights, and they give you the spiel that, hey, you know, find a find a partner, you know, don't go off by yourself. And, and I'm just like, well, I don't have anybody with me. You know, I'm not, you know, whatever. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a rule breaker, so I have a hard time following rules. So anyway, we get to this area there in the dark, in, in the salt mine that they call the dark area. And the dark area is not part of the normal tour that you go to when you go to the salt mine to go, you know, go do their, you know, their little train ride and whatnot that they do underneath the, you know, in the salt mine with the museum. So anyway, we go to the dark area and we're told that, hey, you know, we, there was a miner that passed away down here. We had a medium come in, say, a few months ago who had a Ouija board with her and they were able to make contact with a miner that that's passed away. So anyway, story that I guess, you know, some, his, his co-worker had packed some dynamite wrong in a hole and, and, or, you know, it was just an accident. Anyway, a piece of, when they exploded the dynamite, a piece of shrapnel hit the guy in the head and he was killed instantly. He didn't suffer, he, but he died instantly down there. So anyway, you know, they're telling me this story and they're like, yeah, we feel him down here and whatnot. So we all kind of split off. And like I said, I was by myself, so I didn't have anybody with me. So I just kind of followed my feet into this area and kind of wandered off a little bit. And there's an area where it has some train tracks underneath there where they would have transported the salt. And, and I think logically as a ghost hunter, okay, I'm not all like everything's a ghost. You know, I'm like, I think logically, I try to debunk. I try to think, okay, you know, Hey, there's been a lot of human activity here and where these railroad tracks are. A lot of people have passed through this area of how many years, you know, they used the salt mine before they, you know, closed it down and made it a museum. So, and I'm standing there and I have my little Samsung cell phone with me and I'm like, okay, if there's anybody here, if there's a miner here, if you'd like to have your picture taken, I'm yeah, got my phone out, I'm taking pictures. So I just kind of did a little panoramic snap, 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 snap all the way around and, you know, and then, you know, and whatever, I'm standing there. So, so next thing, you know, I'm standing there and I'm, I'm good. I'm get all of a sudden I get cold, and I mean I'm freezing, and I had a long sleeve jacket on, and I had the hard hat, so you know I dressed very appropriately so I wouldn't get cold down there. I get cold really easily, and I didn't want to get cold, so I'm standing there, and, and the gal from the Wichita Paranormal she comes over, and she's like, because I was by myself and checking on me, are you okay over here? Oh yeah, I'm just over here hanging out, and you know, but I'm feeling really cold, you know, and she's like, and I, I was getting colder and colder the whole time she was talking to me, and she's like, well, can I put my hands by your butt and thigh area? And I I said, yeah, sure, whatever. I don't care. You know, she could. I, I was so cold. I was radiating cold. Like if you'd open up a refrigerator door and you had that blast of cold there, that's how cold I was. So that guy, that miner, he gave me a hug. He was hugging me like, hey, you noticed me. You talked to me. You took my picture because I did. When I got home and I started looking at all my pictures, I found one, there's a picture that he is standing there right in the middle of the picture with his lapel on, his hard hat, I mean, everything. I mean, I took a picture of the miner, and I was so, so thrilled. So I went on from there. After they go into that strata, I was like, yeah, 
yeah, I'm hooked, man. I mean, let's test my sensibility. Let's check. Let's test my senses. Let's see if this is real. You know, I, I, I really had started thinking at that point about writing a book about my paranormal experiences, whether or not I do it something that's public or if it's something that I just do for my family. You know, I, I want to have that record for my future generation. Say, hey, this is where she started. This is where grandma started with her ghost hunting. But, you know, but I kept testing my sense, my senses out at different locations for, for God, for Polly about, you know, for almost two years, I believe it was. We're, we're real close to two years I did that. But, uh, but yeah, but anyway, I've been to, like, uh, the next place I went to was, uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, the, the oh, place up in Lucas. I'm sorry. It's uh, the Garden of Eden in Lucas, Kansas. And the, the Garden of Eden, if anybody's been up, been up there, is the place that's really weird. There's a there's an old man. His name was Dis, Mr. Dinsmore. He made a bunch of concrete statues. He was like 80-some years old, climbing up and down on a ladder with concrete. And he made a bunch of statues. He, he was very anti, anti-government, anti-labor, I mean, anti-doctor, you know, lawyers, everything. He was very, but anyway, that's kind of the themes of his statues. He, he also did, of course, you know, Adam and Eve and a picture of the, you know, the a hand of the devil. The devil's hanging out there, too, in this Garden of Eden that he made. So he went up there, and this where i captured my first evp okay what a tip for future ghost hunters if you want to go ghost hunting bring two two recorders with you because when i was in the mine i only had one recorder with me and when i got home my uh, my device didn't record anything and I wish it would have, because I would have liked to have known if that man, the miner, I caught a picture of and hugged me, if he would have like said say said things to me. So that so I got smart about it. I brought two recorders with me. But anyway, we do the tour with it, and I caught a, a EVP of Mr. Dinsmore whistling at me because he loves blondes. I've got blonde hair, so he likes he likes the ladies. But I was out. I was out in the uh, oh in the wash house that he built for one of his wives, and it's got lots of lots of big picture windows in it, so they so she could stand there while she was washing and watch her husband work, you know. But she worried about it. he was in his eighties, he's climbing up on ladders, hauling up concrete, making statues, you know. But she's staying. But anyway, I, I'm standing there, and I, I had a I had a dowsing fork with me, which a dowsing fork is a little different than dowsing rods. A dowsing fork is just kind of a one handheld device that you can use, kind of like dowsing rods for answering this yes and no questions. So yeah, I had the dowsing fork, you know, I borrowed from the guy that you know had had hosted the ghost hunt there at the Garden Eden, and, and I'm asking you know the Mr. Dinsmore's wife questions, you know, and and the dowsing rods moving back and forth for yes and no and whatnot. Well, anyway, I had my recorder going, and you know I'm asking her questions. I'm like, okay, what's what's going you know, hey, did you love your husband? Blah blah blah. You know. Anyway, questions. So yeah, I get home and I review my EVP footage, and that's where I found the whistle. You know, Mr. Dinsmore whistling at me when I walk past his strawberry patch that he that he has. But anyway, the the EVP from his wife says, "What do you want to talk about?" She asks me in this beautiful sentence, like Class A EVP. What do you want to talk about? I'm like, I was just blown away. Like, okay, this is the second location I went to. I've got evidence there, you know, and I still have it recorded. And, you know, I just kept going, kept testing myself. But I, I will say that, that as far as my birthplace as a psychic was at the Eldridge Hotel. Uh, I had visited the Eldridge Hotel October 2017. And um, I went on a ghost hunt there. And um, oh, there was a psychic medium there. Her name is Lena Townsend. So a little shout out for my friend Lena, okay? She's huge, huge in my I mean, I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't been for her. Anyway, met her there that night, and, you know, and you meet a Chinese psychic like her, she is extremely magical. Like, I get the chills talking about Lena right now. Anyway, anyway, she, we're talking to her, me and these other five women, and we're all gathered around, and we're just in awe, and, you know, we, I, I feel like all 
thick tongued, like I can't talk, you know, when I'm around somebody like that. But anyway, she looks at me before she gets ready to leave to go do the gallery reading that we all attended. First time I've ever ever been to a gallery reading that night in that hotel. Uh, like I said, the Eldridge Hotel there and there in Lawrence, Kansas. Anyway, she looks right at me and she points right at me and she says, hey, you need to keep reading. I'm like, yeah, I read books. I read books all the time. I love reading. I didn't know what she meant by reading. I thought she meant reading books. So, you know, I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I, but I kept that in the back of my mind. And uh, during the gallery reading, of course, my, my dad and my grandfather came through. My grandfather passed away about two, two, three months before I was born. My dad passed, like I said before, when I was about four and a half. So that's the first time I ever had contact with my dad. And this grandfather who had never met me, I was in the womb when he passed. Uh, so anyway, I, I would, and then of course, oh, and then of course the room, room 510. Okay, when I stayed at the Elder Hotel, the Elder Hotel is a very haunted location in, in, in Lawrence. Uh, it was built, the first time it was built was like in around 1850, 1855. It was kind of a meeting place for everybody that came to Lawrence, you know, to settle in Lawrence as the pioneer days. And, you know, it was very important, a big hotel. Uh, Colonel Eldridge, you know, he, he built it, and he meant it, meant it as being, you know, the, the free state. It was kind of almost kind of like the location of the whole Kansas free state thing. You know, they were very anti-slavery, and, you know, Lawrence was, was kind of a battleground between, you know, the anti-slavery people and the slavery people. So it was a very, very important location. Lots of people, lots of energy has been in that building, okay? And it's been built, it's been burned down twice uh, one time it was built, burned down by William Quantrell, the Quantrell Raiders, that when they came into Lawrence and burnt Lawrence down and killed a bunch of people, that hotel was targeted and burnt down. So, But, you know, Colonel Eldridge kept building. He kept building. You know, he didn't give up. He wasn't going to quit. So anyway, there's a room there. It's, it's room 506. And they call it the Colonel's Room. And they've had plenty of activity in this room. Like, they've had people report, like, a Oh, the kids seeing an old man in the room. Uh, there was reporting of a guest one time that she was uh, packing up, uh, oh, packing up her uh, her stuff to get ready to go, boxes and whatnot, and she was getting ready to leave the leave five oh six the room, and and she she'd pack her stuff and put the put the lid on the box and she'd turn around and then the lid the box would be off, you know, the lid would be off the box, and then she'd do it again and it just over and over. And so she finally hollered, hollered at an employee at the hotel and said, Hey, what's going on? Can you help me out with my boxes? The lids keep flying off, <laughs> you know, like really. And okay, of course the hotel workers like, ah, they didn't, she didn't say, Hey, it's haunted. Okay. And then I'm sure the Colonel's jacking with you, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, that, yeah, but anyway, I stayed in room 510, which is right across the hall from room 506. 510 has never had any, any kind of activity reported in, in this room. Okay. I mean, they've only reported activity in room 506 and downstairs in the Jayhawk room, as they, as they call it. It's kind of a little bar area that's in the hotel. But anyway, I, 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 for the first time, I brought a little PSB7 spirit box with me. It's one of those spirit boxes that you hear on, like, the different Ghost Hunter channels. There are different Ghost Hunter shows that kind of makes that noise. It's really annoying, this constant, you know, you know, pulsing noise, this noise. Anyway, I put it on the table. And I, I, I do believe in bringing trigger objects, too. Another tip for future ghost hunters, bring some trigger op objects with you when you go ghost hunting. Things like apples. I brought an apple. I brought a bell. It's called actually called an elephant bell. And I brought that with me. And it's got the elephant bell. It's got, like, little uh, clovers on it. So, anyway, elephant bell. I brought, brought that. I brought, like, a pack of cigarettes with me because, you know, everybody liked smoking. You know, so that was a big thing. We don't smoke anymore. But, you know, back everybody smoked. 
So I brought those things, set them up on the tables, put it, put that spirit box down. And for about 45 minutes, I let that spirit box play. And I was wandering around the room with my little EVP thing called a Rook. And it was flashing. It was blinking like crazy. And But I'm thinking logically again, like, hey, there's probably a lot of electrical conduit here. You know, I'm sure there's probably, a, there's probably you know, that's what I'm picking up on. It's not spirits. There's nothing in this room. You know, I won't hear anything, any voices coming through this box. So anyway, I did that for about 45 minutes, asking questions and then all kinds of stuff. So anyway, after I got home from my experience there at the Eldridge Hotel, which was just amazing. Like I said, I call it the birthplace of, of, of me being a psychic. Anyway, I got home, sat down, started going through my EVPs. And, and when I started, I, you know, started playing the recording from room 510. I, you know, turned on the spirit box and I said basically, hello, Colonel, are you here? And then I sat down in a chair just to kind of relax and focus and just kind of chill out for a little bit and relax. And all of a sudden about, oh, about two or three minutes into the recording, I get the name Frank Little. And it was really plain as day, Frank Little. And I'm like, who's Frank Little? And I'm sitting here analyzing this. So I'm like, who's Frank Little? So I found out Frank Little, I actually got a hold of one of his relatives and said, hey, did Frank Little ever hang out at the Eldridge Hotel and his his Relative was like, no, he would have never went to the Eldridge Hotel. He was very anti-rich folks. He was more a part of the, you know, the common man, you know. So it was kind of interesting to find out. But the name, you know, that, that name came up. And then as you go on and on throughout this recording, you hear them cussing. I mean, there's sex, drugs, and rock and roll going in that room. They're, they're, they're talking about the apple that I brought. And then just beautiful, plain as day, record, you know, messages that, through this, this, this spirit box. And, you know, I, you know how many times I've watched, like, ghost adventures? And I, you watch those shows, and, they, and they'll, like, maybe have, like, one or two little EVPs, like, get out, or, you know, I'm evil, or you're going to die. You know, you never heard any intelligent, you know, sentences that are being told. So I'm like, what's going on here? I mean, I've never, I've never have seen anybody, or I've never have heard, heard these kind of messages coming through on a TV show. You know, it's like... I can't believe they base a whole show off, you know, over Get Out, you know. But anyway, I keep going, you know, keep going on and on, and and they're and they're and they're mentioning my name. They they one of them actually says, "We know Sarah. My sister's name is Sarah." You know, you go through that. Like I said, they're I mean they they're like I said they're having sex in the room. And they're they're you know, one of them I was wearing I was wearing boots and jeans. Okay, that that evening, and there's one of the guys that says. Don't wear jeans blonde. Again, my hair is blonde. So they were talking to me. And another, the other guy says, none of your business. You're a guy, you know. So so the friend was going, hey, don't get after her for wearing jeans and boots, you know. <laughs> I mean, it was intelligence, like, like, like intelligent responses, you know. But the whole time I'm in the room, I'm not thinking it's even working. But I did bring chocolate with me. So they're talking about the chocolate that I brought. There's, you know, they're, they're mentioning names and, and different dialects from all different you know, errors of Kansas, you know, between the old Southern accents to modern day stuff, you know, and there was a little girl that her dad's like in the recording that says, you know, hey, hey, honey, do some dishes, you know, you need to get the dishes done. And like, okay, dad, you know, I mean, it just, it just goes on and on and on. And I can hear somebody getting shot. And he said it was an accident. That's another thing, too, that, you know, it was a pop, like you could hear a pop, like a faint noise of a gun going off. And, and, this, and this guy even says, help, I shot myself. You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's one that says, like I said, the sex thing. One of, one of the recordings said, after sex, and this girl goes, what? I love to bite. The male says, I love to bite. So after sex, what? I love to bite, you know, I mean, recording, like, stuff like that. I'm like, man, I ain't ever heard that on these shows, you know. And it just goes on and on and on. They, like I said, they talk about the, the apple again, and, 
And then the bell, like I had mentioned before, it has four little clovers on it. So one of them's talking about my shiny bell. And another guy says, it's lucky. You know, so they see, they could see that it had four-leaf clover because, you know, hey, four-leaf clovers are lucky. But just the intelligence that came with it, it just goes on and on and on. And, and I mean, like I said, it's got a lot of dirty stuff in it. I, I won't say this. It's, we don't, I don't know for PG-13 here, but, you know. Oh, I'm reading it along with you. I'm just so curious. I mean, since there are so many different entities in one hotel and they're all doing different things in different rooms, whether they're telling you what they're doing or not, like it – for some reason, to me, it gives evidence of time loops mm-hmm. with the Def- different things that they're talking about, and it's in their time period, um, mm-hmm. especially because it was Addie. Did you put those dishes in the sink? And then she yeah. goes, uh-oh. And yep. but then you go over to another room, and someone's, you know, smoking. And But then there's other people that are in, like, your your time, so to speak, and they're actually discussing your appearance, the items that you've yeah. brought, and actually speaking. But as soon as I came up on the conversation between Addie and her father, I was like, that seems like a time loop to me more than them like presently yeah. being engaged with you in the room. Like I feel like there's some where they're directing their energy and reaching out to you, and there's others where you actually picked up on other time that's going yeah. on at the same time. I don't really know how to like phrase that, right? Because it's all going on at the same time. But the <laughs> fact that one EVP was able to pick up on six papers of content and there's like oh. eight or 10 or 12 people here giving stories and short little, and you're right, they don't, they don't have transcriptions like this in any of those shows. Yeah. Um, so. So anyway, so what I did, okay, right, back back to the Eldridge again. Okay, mm-hmm. there's there's a chair there, the Colonel's chair, the haunted chair, and they have it locked up behind. Uh, I they have it locked up in a room that's kind of behind the big fireplace that's in the lobby of the Eldridge Hotel, and there's a big picture hanging above the the big fireplace that's supposed to be the Colonel's family. Come to find out, for those of you that that little tidbit here you don't know about the the man in the picture with his family that's not that's not the colonel that's his brother the colonel was out of town at the time so his brother substituted himself in the picture just a little 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 trivia there for the elder hotel for those of you that that would like to know that so anyway they have it locked up and the night of the ghost hunt i remember the people who actually were putting on the ghost hunt they were begging to see the chair because the chair is, is, is very, is, has a lot of stories involved with it. And the story that I had heard about the chair was that a, a, a worker actually stole the key to where the chair is locked up, to where the room is where the chair is locked up. He stole the key to the door, and he went to go check out the chair. And when he got to see the, when he, when he looked at the chair, he saw the colonel sitting in the chair, like, like full-bodied apparition colonel sitting in the chair. And he was smoking a pipe. He looks over at the kid. And he kind of goes, uh-huh, like he makes a grunting noise to the kid, like, you're not supposed to be in here, okay? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Kid, he went and told everybody about it. So the chair was like, everybody see the chair. Well, they wouldn't let anybody see the chair that night. You have to sign a waiver to see the chair. You have to have permission and a really good excuse to see this chair, okay? So anyway, I, I'm like, I'm like stoked about, you know, how many pages of, of, of EVPs that I captured in this, this room that this, wasn't a haunted room. So I took the chance. 
I emailed my transcript to the general manager of the Eldridge Hotel. His name is David Longhurst. I don't know if he's still general manager now, but but he was then. He was very passionate about that hotel, and he does believe it's haunted, okay? He's not afraid to admit that he's, I, mean, I found like, articles in the newspaper from Lawrence that they did interviews with him about the haunted hotel, you know, that five six particularly. So anyway, I went ahead and took the chance. You understand, there's a lot of filthy language in this in this uh, this this you know transcript that I did. Very lots of filthy language. So I was like, oh man, I hope he's not offended by that. <laughs> you know, like, and they're talking like sex, sex, drugs, rock and roll, cussing, mm-hmm. all kinds kinds of nonsense going on. And so anyway, I went ahead and emailed it to him, and and I was going to be in Lawrence like two weeks, you know, after I'd emailed that to him to, for a, a band thing for my son. He he played the tuba for Bueller, and they went to Washburn University to compete. So I was like, well, I'm going to be up in the area in about two weeks. Can I come by and actually have you listen to the to the recording? Because it's such a large file. I don't know how. I'm not techy enough. I don't know how to, like, email that to somebody. It's such a large file of information. So I went up there, and I brought my computer with me, my laptop with me, and me and David sat in the lobby of the Eldridge Hotel right in front of that big picture, in front of that big fireplace, and, and listened to that whole recording for 45 minutes. And he was just blown away. The thing that he told me about was like being he was the, he was actually the mayor of Lawrence back in the 1980s. And there was a movie like a disaster movie, like a nuclear war movie that was like filmed in the Lawrence area. So he remembers them actually, you know, the, when the movie producers were done with the movie, they brought it to Lawrence and everybody kind of could gather to watch the movie. But but there's a few lines in the movie where there's a gal wandering around going, asking questions like, oh, is there anybody here? You know, and he, he said, you know, that's what really haunted him the most was he's like, he's like, he heard me saying, you know, saying, hello, is anybody here? And those are lines from that movie that this gal was asking you know, during this, this nuclear war movie. I, don't, I can't think of the movie. I should have found it. But anyway, so yeah, he's sitting there and, and I, my, my condition was, it's like, okay, if I'm going to come up here and review this, this transcript with you and have you listen to this, I want to see the colonel's chair. Okay, I want to access this chair. So after we were done listening to the recording, and I'm like, oh, I'm so shiny and feeling really good. And like, like, he was thrilled. Like, he could hear things. Like, you know, we didn't put headphones on. You could hear it plain as day from just the computer speakers, what was going on. And so anyway, he, you know, he gets out the piece of paper, had my name on and everything, and said, hey, if, if, if I end up falling and dying while I'm going to see the chair, hey, that's on me. They're not responsible. So I signed the paper, signed the waiver, and went and saw the chair. And I will say that, yes, it is locked up in, a, in an area kind of behind the big fireplace and, and uh, up some rickety stairs, some of the original stairs from the original hotel, you know, from the very first time it was built. And when I went to see the chair, I, I didn't sit in it, of course, as I felt like that would have been disrespectful. But when I went to touch it, it felt like, you know, when you got two magnets and you're trying to kind of push them together and you kind of kind of get that resistance, all that chi, all that energy in that chair. I mean, it was the, the most haunted thing I've ever I've ever touched in my life. I mean, I've never approached another object since that felt that, that major, you know, energy. So yeah, I took pictures of it and I was super thrilled, like, you know, just amazing. But I will say as we were walking, walking down the hallway to go see the chair, I could feel the Colonel behind me. Like he was checking me out at that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that, but you know, but I mean, I was like that just really, really, it was like, I was so thrilled. I was like, Oh my God, how many ghost hunting groups have they said no to, to see in that chair that whole night, those people were begging to see that chair and they wouldn't, but little old me, 
Becky Lee Blackburn from Hutchinson, Kansas, who, who is just beginning this ghost hunt stuff, who's a real rookie about this thing. I got to see the chair because I had 45 minutes worth of good stuff that they I mean I earned my golden ticket. I felt like visiting Willy Wonka and I got to see the chocolate factory that day. Yeah, you know. Oh, yeah, it just propelled me. It did. I mean, that's why I said I feel like the Eldridge Hotel was my birthplace as a psychic. Lena said, hey, you need to keep reading. I had the four, you know, the you know, 510, that transcript, going and seeing the chair. So, I mean, that's what really convinced me that, hey, I'm not crazy. I'm not just a sensitive. There's something special about me, you know. So, anyway, I followed Lena's advice. And she, when she said, hey, I want you, you need to keep reading, I'm like, I started thinking about it. And, and I... Fortunately, was able to find uh, Connie Connie Byers from the New Age Center down in Derby. Uh, in 2018, January 2018, I started attending um, oh basic psychic development classes. Okay, uh, very first class involved pendulums. Uh, it's where I met my friend. My friend, I call her Big Shauna. I met her there. Uh, so when you see shiny people, we both have seen each other. So we both have a serious connection. But anyway, did a few, I did a few you know in, you know oh, about three months worth of introductory psychic development classes and I felt a little advanced so I was like okay Connie I mean what what can I do or she said well she said I offer it an advanced psychic development class and that class dealt with you'd sit down and you'd actually have people that you would read you know you do you would do psychic readings for these people so anyway I showed up in March of 2018 uh, for my very first advanced psychic development class and I walked through the door and there's Shauna and there's two other two other mediums student mediums that were attending the class that night too and, and I mean I'll tell you what they were just they just looked at me like who are you well, the one gal said oh you have a green aura you glow green you you got healer energy you need to do reiki okay i'm like okay i'm not put that thought in the back of my mind okay she's talking about reiki i need to find out what, what that even is because i had no idea at the time so anyway she says that but i'm standing there and i'm going okay guys what what we're getting ready to have people come in customers come in i'm like what do i do i don't know what to do and they're like well if if you know if something pops in your mind, just say it, okay? If, if something doesn't seem like it's your, and I'm, and I'm like, okay, so that's what I do to read people. If something pops in my mind, I just say it. I mean, I was like, this isn't very helpful, okay? I don't, I mean, I still don't know what, I'm, what am I supposed to do. So anyway, I'm sitting down at my table, and I have a one, the first, my first customer comes in, first client comes in, she sits in front of me, and oh, I may have picked up on a couple things and been like, eh, you know, but it felt very general. It didn't seem like, okay, you know, it didn't convince me about anything, but next gal comes in, she sits in front of me, and and she, elderly lady no she had been to the new age center a lot had been to a lot of these because it's a free event for for client for cut clients to come in me and the girls had to pay a little fee in order to you know attend and do class i guess you could say it so anyway the elderly lady comes in and she sits in front of me and i started seeing the color red and i that was that's what i said i, I, I close my eyes when i'm doing readings so I, I see like a motion picture i see i see words i see pictures i see you know movie i mean it's it's very very visual in my mind when i close my eyes so i'm sitting there and i'm seeing the color red i see a red baseball cap but you know the thing was i'm seeing the color red and when i open up my eyes and i look at her and i'm like oh does anything is this does this anything and she's like she's like she's like you've been talking about red haven't you i said well yeah i've been talking about red for like five minutes now well i I put my dog down today, and her name was Red. And I'm like, whoa, her name was Red. Okay. I said, then I said, okay, well, don't tell me what kind of dog you have. Let me figure this out. So I went on to find out that she had a Yorkshire Terrier, 
and that apparently it had bad hips. I didn't know she had bad hips because the vision I'm seeing of the dog, she's running around just fine, happy and healthy and begging for treats and chasing after cars, doing the things that she did when she was alive and happy and healthy. But the gal had put her dog down that day. Apparently she had bad hips and couldn't hardly walk. And she's like, man, I got, you know, I hated to do it, but I needed to do it. She was suffering. And she said that the, the older lady was like, you know, I was really debating on, not, on whether or not I was going to come to this class tonight. But something told me, hey, you need to go to the New Age Center tonight and have a reading done. And I gave her that information. And the joy, the joy I felt and the joy I picked up off of her, I ain't never felt joy like that before in my life. My whole life, 40-some years of living, I'd never felt joyful like that. But I kid you not, I was seeing sparks flying around me that night like fireworks like where my spirit guides and people are saying, hey, dummy, this is what we meant by reading. This is what you need to be doing. So at that point on, yeah, I went and found me a mentor. Uh, you know, I, I, I work with psychic Cynthia Killian. She's another wonderful medium from Wichita. I love her because she's very tough love with me. I mean, I, I you know, I love her brutal honesty. She's helped guide me. Uh, I, I, of course, started taking Reiki. I, I did my, my first Reiki attunement was, was with uh, Carla from the new, or not from New Age, Carla from Moonstone. I did that. I did my Reiki back in 2018. And then I, I started working with uh, Jennifer uh, Jennifer Smith or Scritchfield from Psyche and Soul. I, I, I worked with her during 2020. So, so 2020, summer 2020, I didn't sit around the house going, oh, my God, it's the end of the world. No, I went and did some work and did some growth and got over a lot of anger issues that I had. That's what Reiki helped for me was anger issues. I'm, I'm not the angry person I was before. And then uh, after that, then I, I did my holy fire uh, Holy Fire uh, Master, you know, Reiki uh, with, uh, with a gal from uh, Ark City. Her name is uh, Kirsten DeSantos. So, so I've kind of been attuned like three different times with Reiki, but, you know, found mm-hmm. that, did that. And then, then I, you know, I started doing, you know, doing mm-hmm. readings. And, and it was because I was really being encouraged by people to do that. And finally I started doing some, you know, doing readings down down at a French you know, shop here in Hutchinson. And then last year, back in February last year, I finally got my own place. And I've been, I've been, you know, been very busy and very successful doing my reading, you know, doing, you know, regular readings and Reiki and then as far as, as well as the rune readings. But, but I, I, I love runes. I, I don't read tarot. I do rune readings. Uh, Psychic Cynthia is the one that introduced me to the runes uh, because, like I said, she detected I was a little angry during our first mentorship phone call in 2019, January of 2019. And she, she introduced me to the runes, and she introduced me to the runes with, with a, for a practical purpose, okay? I didn't start reading them for divination. Like I said, she detected I was a little angry. Well, me and my husband had been fighting a lot, and we had been fighting a lot for years. Like, there's always been this anger, conflict issue between me and her, me and him, I mean. So anyway, she's like, I want to introduce you to Thorisage and Alhaj. These are two very protective runes that help get rid of things that you don't need more in your life. You know, she detected something really ugly was attached to my husband that was causing conflict between me and him. And being the energetic being that I am, I was just feeling this thing that was attached to him. I mean, he loved this thing, loved that anger, loved that that negativity and that fire and that rage that I was giving it all the time. So for about three weeks, I worked with Thorisage, which is Thor's hammer. And anytime, like, like Cynthia said, anytime you feel that fight coming on, I want you to just kind of chant that rune in your mind. And, and I did it. I followed. I mean, I followed her instructions. I was like, if I'm going to pay all this money for mentorship, I'm not sure as heck's going to do what I'm told to do, do my homework, okay? I mean, you don't mess around. You know, you know, you know I'm, I'm trying to grow as a psychic here. So anyway, for about three weeks, I used Thorisage, and my husband still doesn't know about this. So if, I guess if you listen to the recording, I guess he'll find out. But anyway, I told lots of people this story. But anyway, I used Thorisage. 
And about three weeks into it, I get home on a Friday night, and I'm, I'm laying in bed, and I'm either reading or watching Netflix. I just remember the lights were on, and I was totally conscious, and I heard a loud crash in one of the rooms in, in my house. And I was like, I'm not going to get up and react to that. I'm not going to go find out what that loud, scary crash was, okay? I'm just going to just let it go. Just let it go. My, my son, his bedroom was right next to the room, my, which was my daughter's room at the time, which my daughter wasn't, wasn't living at home because she went to WSU and hadn't been home for nine months. So nobody was in the room where the loud crash came from. So yeah, he didn't get up and react either. And if you would ask him to this day, hey, uh, would you have gotten up and checked that out? He's like, no, I don't care if you would have gave me a million dollars. I was not going to find out what that noise was. Okay, it was that scary to him too. So anyway, we both just didn't react, Okay. All right, next day, I kind of forgot about it. I don't know how, but I forgot about it. I go into the room where my daughter's, you know, my daughter used to used to live, you know. Like I said, I was very, I was very emotional the time I'd open up that door, go, oh, my God, she's gone, you know. So anyway, I kept my vacuum cleaner in her closet, and when I opened up that, that door where that vacuum is, I, she had a big Bratz airplane, a big plastic air doll airplane that she would play with when she was younger. And it was sitting high up on a shelf. She hadn't touched it in years. Nobody had moved it. But something had knocked it off that top shelf, and it was smashed to pieces all over the floor of that closet where I keep that, that vacuum. It, it hit the vacuum handle, and it busted. So whatever it was that caused the crash, the plane crash, it, it did. It was force. I mean, it was. I mean, if somebody would have been standing there, I would, it probably would have knocked you out. I mean, it would at least give you a goose egg on your head or, you know, something, you know, terrible. So anyway, I, I mean, I kind of, I got mad. I'm like, okay, whoever you are, this is the last time you're doing this. So what did I do? I followed what Psychic Cynthia told me to do. You need to draw that rune on a piece of paper. So I did that, and I put it on the door, you know, stuck it on the door of the closet, and I saged the closet and threw Thorisage and Alhaj at it, you know, did kind of, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just throwing energy at it. And so anyway, then, of course, I cleaned up the mess, got my vacuum out, and, you know, cleaned my house. And But I'll say about two, two or three days later, I get home from work, and I opened up the door, and my house felt different. It felt, it felt lighter. It felt brighter. It felt like I could breathe. I mean, even the lights in the house seemed brighter. Everything. I mean, whatever it was that I had been battling with with my husband, it finally left. And I knew it was because of those runes. I knew it. I knew it was because I used Thor's hammer to get rid of what wasn't needed in my house anymore. And like I said, my husband and I are still together. We're still, we are. If, if I wouldn't have done that, I probably would have been divorced by now and probably would have been out of the house because it, we, we were fighting so bad. I mean, it was, it was, it was that bad. But, but then that, from that point on, I bought my runes off of eBay and I would just read one rune a day, you know, and kind of connect with that energy and memorize them. I, I still have all my sticky notes at work because I would draw the rune at home then I'd grab a sticky note at work, put it on my computer screen and just memorize and you know work with it and before i started doing actual you know readings as far as you know being more complex with you know drawing drawing more but that's how i learned the runes and and i thank psychic cynthia for that like i said she helps help me say helped she helped me save my marriage okay she didn't save my marriage she helped me by giving me a tool that i could use to save save my marriage and and i you know and i've helped other people with the thorisage as well so so you know it's, so i have a major connection with the runes and i feel like that's a really critical part of my story is the runes because i use them a lot I have a real connection with Oda, Odin and Freya now, and, and you know that they they actually help me when I do readings with people. I'll ask them, "Hey, what's you know, Odin? How do you feel about this situation? Freya, how do you you know?" So I so I do a lot a lot of that too with the runes. So so that was a part of my journey too was was finding an outlet for this this energy that I have. I have so much excess excessive energy in me that I need to have some kind of creative outlet to help you know help here you know this is what you need to do you know you know 
so that, that's that's kind of what what I do with the runes. So that that's kind of part of my my story as well is is connecting with that. I and I and I do I, I love the runes. It's one of those one of those empowerment things that I do as well with that. So, but uh, but I yeah, have a who just got runes. Let's. I think his wife bought them for him last Christmas because he also works with Odin as well. And um, he's like every day since he's got them, he reads one every day, and he'll call me and he'll be like, "You're never gonna guess." what my runes said today and they're always accurately on point with everything that's going on or something that's like about to happen that day but he said they're always on point I do not have them in my collection yet but I do want them because I've done a lot of research on them and um, they're fascinating so I love the the beginner stories that you have connected to it but also um, how you've been able to train yourself and use your direct experience as to why you continue to dive deeper in them and then ultimately give runes readings, which I think yeah. are just mystical. Yeah. I, and I didn't know any of this stuff. I, I mean, really, I, even, even when I began my journey, I didn't know anything about chakras. I don't think I even called them a different name. So, I mean, I, I, I just feel like, you know, it's kind of like when I became a farm when I became a pharmacy technician. I I didn't know anything about drugs. I couldn't have told you ibuprofen from Tylenol. It's the same thing with the psychic journey. It's just you know I want I've had that need to educate myself to learn something new that was going to benefit me. And and I still keep reading. I still keep keep educating. I I just recently signed up for a course through the the guy a guy called the Thunder Wizard. He's off of YouTube to become a nine world rune reader, like a certification process where I'll become a certified as a nine world rune reader, which is even more complex, you know, reading for a client that can really delve deep into more specifics in their life. So so I keep educating myself with this. You know, I, I just feel like you never stop learning. I mean I you know, so it's just like just like the Reiki. I mean I've had three different Reiki masters that I've been in contact with and, and all three of them have been critical pieces in me helping my helping me learn how to do Reiki. Now I love doing Reiki for clients. I mean, I, I, I love empowering people, and that's one of the techniques that I can use to help empower somebody and help clear their mind and help them out. I, I just recently had a Reiki client who had gastric bypass surgery done back in December, and she had a really bad time with her surgery. I mean, things were, were not good, and she really lost a lot of hope. You know, like, gosh, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to lose weight here, and I can't even, this ain't even working right. So she came and seen me back in January, and and um, what happened was, you know, we, we did her session, and she went home, and the next morning she woke up like at 5 o'clock in the morning, she tells me. And then she said, I have never been one to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I mean, I will sleep into the last minute to get up and go to work. You know, I do not get up early. You know, I can relay. I'm the same kind of person. So anyway, she tells me, but, you know, she got up early, and she's like, well, I had this exercise bike at home. You know, I'm going to go ahead and use my exercise bike. I'm getting up earlier. I've got time to exercise now. So during that period of time, before I, about, I seen her about three, three and a half weeks from that first Reiki session, she lost 46 pounds because she was getting up early at 5 o'clock in the morning and realizing she had extra time to get up and exercise and do her bike riding. And the more weight she lose, the more motivated she was. And she says, like she said, Becky, Reiki, help me. I would have never done this if I wouldn't have came and seen you. You know, I would have still been laying in bed. I still would have been miserable, hopeless, and feeling like I'm suffering. So, you know, to help empower somebody, like, I mean, that is life-changing, okay? I mean, that 
you know, and to be able to be that channel for that, because I don't call myself the healer. I call myself the channel, the conduit for that energy. It goes in through me, out through my hands, and into my client, and then they take over, and they heal themselves. So so I feel honored to be... I don't know, to be connected with that, that source, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like, I don't, I've never felt worthy of it. Like, oh, I'm, I'm a bad person. I've done lots of bad things in my life. I can't believe I'm, I'm honored, you know, that, that I, I don't, you know, it's just kind of crazy when you think like that. Like, you know, of course we're all, you know, we all make mistakes. We all got to learn to forgive and Reiki's definitely helps you with that. I mean, I, I will, you know, totally will vouch for, for Reiki that it's, it's changed my life. I'm not the angry person that I used to be. <laughs> so, but I've learned a lot. I still keep growing. I still keep learning. And I feel like that's come my message to everybody. It's like, hey, if, if you feel that energetic pull to do something, you know, spirit is going to keep knocking you on the head until you finally do come out of that broom closet. You know, because how many people I've empowered since I came out of the broom closet is evidence for me. And there's a lot of them that have come out of the broom closet that now have little businesses going on now. That if they wouldn't have met me and I wouldn't have crossed paths and been that way shower, you know, they'd still be sitting there struggling and not knowing who they are and where they want to go and what they want to be. So it's, it's, it is, it's, it's a, it's a lot, it's a lot to handle. And then, you know, I, I never felt worthy of that, you know, <laughs> so but now, now I accept it. Like, okay, this is my mission. This is what I need to do. And eventually, I want to go full time with with my with my Reiki and my psychic business. And but for now, I, I kind of like the comfortable. I, it's not a chore for me. Okay, I think if it becomes a chore, I'll probably that's when I'll probably would step back. But, but right now, I'm having fun with it and, and love sharing stories. Love going ghost hunting. I still do the ghost hunting, which I know I shouldn't call it ghost hunting, but paranormal investigations. You know, I I still do that. We my my group is like I said, it's called the Kansas Ghost. Hunters, they do have a have a Facebook page. We're supposed to be going to the Garnett Hotel or Gar- Garnett, or sorry, Garnett House Hotel. It's in Garnett, Kansas, and that's going to be here in April. And we're going to, and it's apparently it's a very haunted hotel. Uh, but some famous people have been have actually stayed the night in that hotel, like like Buffalo Bill Cody, uh, Wild Wild Bill Hickok, uh, uh, Pat Garrett. You know, people from Dodge City. There's you know, a Harry Houdini stayed in that hotel. So I can't wait to feel the energy, the life that was in that hotel and see if I can't pick up on some of these characters or, you know, or, or, or sense any earthbounds and help them out as well. Because that is part of my mission as a medium. I don't just go ghost hunting for entertainment purposes. I go to try to help those spirits that are wandering that maybe need to have some help and they need to, you know, hey, you need to go to the light and go home and go you'll be recharged and, you know, hey, fine, you, you go do that and come back and hang out, you know, but you need to go go finish your work. You know, so so I do make a mission of that. You know, ghost hunting isn't just entertainment. It's about helping not only the living, but people who are deceased as well. So I, I do want to make sure I, I do throw that out there that, you know, sure, I spent all that time, in, you know, testing myself. But now now that I'm where I'm at, the stage that I'm at now, that if I encounter somebody or something, yeah, I'm going to help you out. You know, hey, you know, you, there's an open door here. Go ahead and go through it. God's right there. Jesus will help you out too, as well. So you know to have have that connection and be able to help help out the living and dead. I enjoy it. <laughs> I love your story. Thank and you. I love, the, I love the continuing education. That's probably my favorite part about it too, because I don't ever really remember like liking school as much or even the curriculum that they would give us. And then um, when I was able to come into my awakening, I was like. I am so hungry for all of this knowledge and I I like I wrote down a list of all the classes and the certifications and all the people that I wanted to train and work with and um, I mean Jennifer Smith she's my Reiki ma- 
my Reiki master now. She's the person that I received my first attunement from. Um, but I heard about Reiki, I think it was 2011. That was the first time that I had ever heard about it in my life. And I was just so interested in it, not as being a practitioner, but just studying it, um, its origins, how it works, all of that. So being able to be with Jennifer, I'm bringing, like, I'm having a lot of, like, past memories come up where I'm like, oh, yeah, wow, I'm actually putting that into play now. Oh, that makes more sense. And, like, embodying the practice instead of just studying it has been one of my favorite things to um, experience in her class and outside of it, I guess I would say. Um, but I would just say for, like, any any beginner anything, whether it's coming into Claire's senses, ghost hunting, crystals, I mean, anything on the spiritual um, one of the best forms of advice that I got was to just go ahead and look into Reiki because once you tap into the spiritual, you realize the energy is everything. It's all around us. It is you. It's everything. So why not go get some training, whether you're going to be an energy healer or not, just to understand how to transmute it, whether it's positive or negative, how to use your creativity properly, how to, you know, if you're in a bad mood, if you're going to... Um, a more dense negative space, how to protect yourself. And um, like you, you've been attuned three different times. I think you'll continue to find certifications that you want to go and you can be attuned again. There's no limit on how many um, people that you can work with. And I think that's the best part is you do continuously grow and you get to add to your bag of tricks to then go help people that are, you know, at whatever phase of their awakening that they are. There's definitely no doubt that there is a huge awakening in human consciousness happening at like a grand scale. And I think that's why um, a lot of people like link up and they're like, hey, this is what I've learned. This is what I've learned. Like, let's let's compare notes really quick and get get back out on the battlefield. Because when 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 Michelle, when she told me there, like I said, that first night I went to the New Age Center, and she looks at me, man, you glow green. I don't see auras very often, but you are bright emerald green. You're a healer. You need to do Reiki. I mean, I picked up on that, and I was like, okay, I'm going to put that in the back of my mind. Like, I need to find, I need to do Reiki. I don't know what it is, but she sees me glowing. I mean, I'm a healer. There's something about me. I paid attention to that. But, you know, I, I definitely, I definitely, I was like, okay, I need to do that. And I'm glad I did, because... Reiki helped me with my anger issues. I had severe anger issues. I had something attached to me. It was, a, it was a grandmother of mine that was attached to me from way back when I was a baby that had made me a very ragey person, made me somebody who had a hard time accepting love. And after Jennifer, yes, thank you, Jennifer Smith. Shout out to her. I love her. I wouldn't be who I am and where I'm at today if it wasn't for her. Spent four months training with her, and then I and then have become really good friends with her since. But she was really the one to help me detach that that cord that was attached for, to me from that grandmother that was causing me to have to me to have night terror dreams. You know what? But before before Jennifer did this shamanic ceremony, what her service on me? I, okay, I came to, okay I came to class one night. And I was feeling real grumpy and feeling real negative. And Jennifer just kind of looks at me. She said, yeah, I think it's time. Guys, we're not going to do regular class tonight. We're going to help Becky out. Okay, cool. I, I need it because, you know, I, I, I had a really bad, terrible, terrible dream the night before of little kids biting me. I mean, I've always have had wild dreams. I'm very much a lucid dreamer, you know, and just incredible dreams my whole life. 
oh, my whole life. I don't, I wouldn't, so somebody says, I don't dream. I'm like, man, I feel sorry for you. I mean, I, the, what I see in my mind every night is crazy. You know, I mean, it really is. It's, it's dreams are that time to be insane. I guess they could say it, it's safely insane. Okay. Because if we really live the life, what do we do when we sleep? You know, oh my God, we would all be locked up. Okay. At least me anyway. But anyway, back to my story about, about, you know, her that night. Anyway, she laid me on the table and she brought out her drum, which I just, you know, now I have a drum and I incorporate that in my Reiki as well, which is, you know, Reiki is not just Reiki, it's a spiritual experience with me. So anyway, I'm laying there on the table and She's like, yeah, it's your grandmother. It's, it's Drizella. She she did something to you when you were a baby. And my mother had told me a couple years ago before that happened that she caught my grandmother doing something to me. And my mother told me, Becky, I will never tell you what she did because it was that bad. I don't. I why my mother even told me that? I wish she wouldn't even have because you know, here in the back of my mind is like, what am I? What did my grandmother do to me? Well, she attached herself to me through some kind of ritual to to protect me to make me not love others and to me to always kind of push people away. You know, it's like she wanted me to never have love in my life, never accept love. I can dish out love all day long, but accepting it from others, I've always had that difficulty. And I'm sure that's a lot of reason why my marriage has been so rocky because I have a hard time letting my husband love me. I mean, but now I feel better about it since Jennifer kind of cut that cord. But yeah, that night she did that. Did that ceremony on me, pulled, you know, unchained her. I, that's when I found out that my grandmother had, had had been abused when she was like six years old. So she held this resentment against men from the age of six. But, you know, back in the days, you didn't dare say anything to anybody about stuff like this. She, she, she lived her whole life with this, this traumatic experience from six years on. But she was protecting me because she didn't want me to go through that kind of experience, I guess. I don't know, but thankfully, Drizella has found her own peace, and I have mine as well. But but when, when Jennifer was done, and it was very emotional, we were all crying, everybody in class. It was quite the night. We were all crying. We were all, you know, letting it all go and finding out these things about all of ourselves and each other. And But anyway, the girls were like... Becky, your face looks different. You just you just look completely different than you did when you walked in the door. But, you know, if it wouldn't have been for that, yeah, I'd still be this angry, miserable, you know. I don't know. You know, I, I, I just know I just can't live that way. And that's what I was saying that night before she even began. I was like, you know, I can't keep living this way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill myself. I'm going to end my life because I've always had that tendency growing up. Like, you know, I'm just going to kill myself. I'm just going to run away. Well, it was this grandmother controlling me. She was wanting me to do this harm, self-harm to myself my whole life. But one note about it, okay, I, I used to chew my fingernails like, like terribly. Like I would just pick, pick, pick at my nails. And I was still doing it at that point in time before Jennifer did that, that ceremony on me or did that, that exorcism on me. I don't know. That's what I'm going to call it. She exercised the demon from me. Anyway, the next day I... I didn't feel the need to pick up my thumbs anymore because I would get up in the morning and pick, 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 just, just, just terribly. I mean, I was so embarrassed about it. I could never show people my hands. So I would do that all the time. But after that point in time, I quit. And I haven't had that need or that tendency to sit there and just mindlessly do it from morning to night. You know, I mean, it was some, something, something that was attached to me, some kind of just... You know, so it's just life-changing. Jennifer changed my life. She really did. So I'm telling you, folks, if you want to find a good Reiki master that will teach, really, not only teach you Reiki, but will help you learn to live Reiki, to live Reiki, that is the person I would contact. But she does. She does four months' worth of education, four months' worth of energy work where you feel energy, and she helps you, you know, Helps you out with that. I, I do. I really, big, big shout out for her. You know, I, I, I love her and consider her a sister and a colleague now and teacher as well. But 
you know, I, but yeah, Reiki is important. I just, I really, I really feel like they need to teach it in school. You know, I think they ought to teach people more about energy and how to settle yourself down when you're feeling the meltdown coming on. Because now I, now I know I'm not, I don't have that anymore. When I start feeling myself angry, now that I know it's my own anger and not this grandmother, when I start feeling that anger, I can be like, okay, just chill out. Just ground yourself, do a little Reiki, a little love. And I'm okay, you know, and, and I've sought out other Reiki people to actually do Reiki on me as well. Not, I mean, I, sure, you can do self-Reiki all the time, but you need to find other people that can stay and can let you relax and let them do it as well. So I'm learning to surrender myself and learning to like, you know, hey, I'm so independent. I don't need anybody. No, I do need other people to help me out with helping manage this wild, crazy energy of mine. So I'm like a tornado. I'm telling you, when I get wound up, ooh, you don't want to be around me. <laughs> you know? in common. Yeah, my, I mean, my husband's a Pisces, so he's water sign. Me, I'm that Libra, and when we get to fighting, it's like a hurricane in the house. Mm-hmm. We is anymore like we used to be. I've learned to manage this wild energy to be a breeze more than a tornado all the time. <laughs> oh, I like that line: a breeze more than a tornado. I'm a breeze. Yes. Yeah, I love that. So, if I want to come and get um, any of your service done services done uh do i reach out for through sorry i'm getting tongue-tied over here on all your stories um do i reach out to the salt city psychic page on facebook yes you can reach out through a salt city psychic on facebook um and i i'm working on a website I, i'm not very techy i can't believe how old i've gotten i'm an old person now but I mean, I'm working on a website, so eventually I'm going to have a website where people can access the website and schedule appointments and stuff like that too. So yeah, just you know, go on the website. I think I know there's a button on there somewhere that you know where you can you know schedule appointments with me. I I usually do like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So it's kind of my days when I do work because I have learned to don't do it all the time because I'm going to get burned out on this nonsense. Yeah. I need to have time so yeah reach out through facebook my phone number is there on facebook as well so yeah so kind of right now for anyway facebook's kind of my main link with with the world you know and, and whatnot and you know but but yeah I've, I've got some psychic fairs coming on which is, i'm so excited about i've got like three psychic fairs scheduled this year first time i've ever done like something big like that there's going to be one up, up in junction city in april uh, i think it's like april 15th and 16th up in junction city that i'll be attending uh, i also have t- uh, two others one other was in, in eureka springs it'll be going it'll be in June. So I'm going to be driving out of state, man, like Eureka Springs, Arkansas, which I've never been there before. I know I'm going to go visit that big hotel, that that one there that I, I forget what they call it. Anyway, the big hotel there in, in Eureka Springs is supposed to be so Definitely going to go check that place out and say, okay, how haunted are you? Let's see if anybody wants to say hello, you know. Mm-hmm. And then and then there'll be one up in Kansas City that I'll be doing in July. So, yeah, I'm going to be busy doing that. And then I've got my daughter getting married in October, and she's going to be getting married at the Stanley Hotel. Woo! I've never been to the Stanley Hotel, but that's a super haunted haunted location. Her and her soon-to-be husband's going to be staying in the in the Grant's room. I, don't know, I guess he's a ghost hunter or something. I don't really watch those shows anymore, but he's a ghost hunter. And they, that they He stayed there one night, had some really amazing activity in this room. They're going to be staying in that room for like four, three or four days. So I'm like, I'm bringing my ghost hunting equipment, honey, and we're going to check out your room, Michelle. I love so, it. I love so. it so much. Honey, I'm bringing my ghost hunting equipment to your wedding. You your wedding. know me. I'm going to catch EVPs. Oh my gosh, I love it so much. I love all your stories. I definitely want you to come back on and teach a, like a ruins episode with a little bit of like beginner, psychic, medium stuff, whatever you're comfortable with sharing with us. Um, 
You have a great way of telling stories that I really, really enjoy. And I haven't even scratched the surface with my ghost hunting stories. Because I've got so I many. I know. You have, you have a list back here. I, I'm not going to list all of them off. But just so no. we can keep it going. Uh, Midland Railroad Hotel. Reno County Museum. Oh, my gosh. Fox Theater. Grand Brown Theater. Cedar Creek Cemetery. Stoll Cemetery. Fun Valley. Oh, my gosh. There's so uh -huh. many. Hawkins the Psychiatric Hall. Museum, I think, would give me nightmares. The Alexander School in Alexander, Kansas. They don't shoot, they don't take ghost hunts anymore at that place. But that was a fascinating place to go to. Let's see, Fort Harker, place in Lauren, up, up in Kansas City, or not? Sorry, Canopolis. Fort Harker mm -hmm. is in Canopolis. Of course, the salt mine, Cahokia Mounds. Oh my gosh, that's in that's in Illinois. That was a fascinating location. That there, there's a bunch of these mounds that these these uh. Mississippian tribes. So, so say about a thousand years ago, they built these gigantic mounds, like like Aztec mounds, mm -hmm. that are local of America. And there's and there's several. They've got mortuary mounds, and they have the burial mounds. And my family. And okay, I'll, I will end with one last story because I think this one's fascinating. Okay, okay, one more. All right, one more. Okay, I stayed at a place called the Indian Mound Motel. The Indian Mound Motel is located in East St. Louis, Illinois. So it's like up, like the east part of Mississippi River, St. Louis, and there's East St. Louis. And the motel was built on the site of an Indian mound, okay? And the Indian Mound is called Wilson Mound, all right? And this, this hotel was, this motel was built back in like the 1950s, and they called it a Hot Sheets Motel. A Hot Sheets Motel is, means that you could rent like a room for 15 minutes, so you could go rent the room for 15 minutes and do your drugs, have sex with your prostitute, whatever they wanted to do for 15 minutes. They were able to rent these rooms for 15 minute increments. But anyway, what they did is they removed a mound to build this motel on where this mound was located, this Wilson Mound. When they opened up the mound, they found 200 people buried in this mound. They went ahead and built the motel there anyway where the mound is. Oh, my okay. gosh. Story. Okay, my husband and I went on. My husband's son and I we went on a on a hot. It's called the Hot Rod Power Tour. I, I I'm a big car nerd just as much as I am a ghost hunting nerd. I've got lots. I've got too many hobbies. Too much going on. But anyway, I was looking for when I planned this trip where we, we were, the Hot Rod Power Tour is like a tour where you, you go to seven different cities in seven days with like a big group of like hot rodders. You know, car people. I've got a GTO. I drove for seven days all over America. You know, or, you know. Anyway, anyway, but but when I was looking for places to stay, I was like, man, I kind of want to find a place that maybe has a little a little history to it. So I went to some site called Murder Motels. Okay, Murder Motels on Facebook, well, not Facebook, but on the internet, Murder Motels. And I found the one is called Indian Mound Motel, and it's a site of that people have been killed outside of the motel because it's like I said, East St. Louis is pretty rough. Okay, it's kind of scary. All right, I mean, there I'm bringing my car and I'm. Praying that nobody steals it in the middle of the night, which thank God that didn't happen. But anyway, we get to the Indian Mound Motel, and, and I didn't really say much to my husband and son. My son was about 14 years old at the time of the of when we went on the power tour. Anyway, but, but we show up to the motel. Really, it was clean. It was nice. I mean, it was, you know, but it's an old motel, and it was ran by some Arabic people. So we get there, and my husband and son, they're just looking at me like, what are you, what have you got us into, man? What is this place that we're going to stay in the night at? We don't want to be, you know. I'm like, well, I don't know where we're going to find a place to stay because there's a thousand other people that are all staying the night in the same area too. Because it was like a group of thousand people that were with this power tour thing. 
anyway, we went ahead and stayed the night. But anyway, we get there. And I parked my car. We get all of our stuff brought into the motel room. And and we were, like, hot and sweaty from being at the racetrack that's just kind of just a couple miles away from Indian Mound Motel. And, you know, my son was getting his shower. And my husband went outside to go smoke a cigarette. And I'm unpacking my bag. And I'm looking at all my flair that I picked up throughout the power tour during that day there, you know, there in Missouri. And and I'm standing there. And all of a sudden, I feel this, this whoosh come from behind, like something, like someone went through me, okay, like, whoosh like energetic whoosh and my heart starts racing and I start getting dizzy and I'm thinking to myself oh my god am I having a heart attack what's going on here I'm thinking oh Christ where's the local hospital at I mean my thing my brain's going like oh my god I feel like I'm dying well one of those Indians that lit that was buried in that moat that where that that mound was came to pay me a visit like, I don't know if it was a friendly visit. didn't feel very friendly to me. So, you know, I'm standing there, and I didn't say anything to my husband and son. You know, I finally recovered, and Brian came out of the shower, and he was done. And, like, my husband come in. But I will say my mood changed. Like, I became really angry. Like, whoa, I mean, I do not want to be here. I'm angry. Let's go get some food. So, for the rest of that night, me and my husband and son all fight each other we were all bickering I mean, just angry so anyway we go to bed and I mean I, I'm gonna say I had a restless night of dreams and whatnot I, I remember writing down my dreams that I had that night so I, I brought my journal with me dream journal with me just to see hey what's going to happen tonight so I'm staying in this haunted location you know so anyway my son the next day we all get in the car and we were all like thank god the car is still here we didn't know if it was going to be stolen overnight <laughs> you know like oh my god where am i staying at but that i must say my son he even said it as we were heading out of town he said mom i'll tell you what i really think an indian was standing over me watching me all night long mom i kept i was a, i was scared to open up my eyes thinking there was going to be an indian staring at me which i have no doubt there wasn't those presence of those those indians those ancient people watching us in that motel room while we were staying there but i must say that morning after we finally got out of that area of east st louis and started heading towards like indianapolis i think that i think that was our next location where's where we were heading but anyway our moods lifted we started laughing again we started having fun and enjoying the trip so whatever it was in that area caused us to have this this negative emotion. But that's what told me after that happened. I was like, well, you know, I really need to start start paying attention to protecting myself better and not putting myself in those positions and not putting my family in that as well. But it, it was crazy. But I didn't find out about it about it being a burial mound until after we got back home. And I did all kinds of research on that motel before we stayed the night there because I was like, okay, what kind of murders took place? What kind of, you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't until I got home to find, when I found out that, oh my God, I can't believe me and my, me and my husband and son spent the night on a location where there was 200 people who had been sacrificed and buried and put in the mound. Then that, that mound was violated to be moved to make a motel and the dirt that was came from that mound was put in flower gardens all over St. Louis. You know, that's what they did with the dirt. But that, yeah, that's 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 quite the story. I mean, I when that when I felt that energy pass through me, I was like, what in the world happened? I mean, mm-hmm. I was not prepared for that, and it came from behind and just whoosh. Oh my! And then my heart, I was like, oh my God, where's the hospital at? Right. <laughs> what? As they say, direct experience is our best teacher. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So. So I don't know. I, don't, I would love to see the Cahokia Mounds, but I don't know if I'd stay at the Indian Mound Motel again. <laughs> right, right. There, there's your travel, travel review from the Salt City Psychic. Becky, thank you again so much for coming on the show, and I really hope you come back to teach us some more and 
Tell Definitely. us more of your ghost hunting stories. Absolutely. I love it. I do. I'm, 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 it's my favorite thing, guys. I, I could just quit my quit work and just travel and ghost hunt. It's, if somebody would like to sponsor me, okay? <laughs> hey, we all get the need sponsors to travel thing. I totally get that. There are so many places I would love to go and interview and just record just to show everybody out there, like, look at all the beauty out here. But again, exactly. thank but you so much for joining me. And um, we are going to showcase a song that I brought you on today. Uh, Vitality Exposed is actually going to show us a song called Regret Roulette from Unlike Pluto. And if you want to reach out and get any of the services we talked about from Bl Becky Lee Blackburn, also known as Salt City Psychic, just scroll down right below and her link is going to be right there for you. It'll take you to her booking site and when that website is live, I'll be happy to add that in as well. So Becky will be back on for another episode on ruins and mediumship. This is the Hoosier Media Network, your home for podcasting.